I have a word for you this morning I want to share. I titled it, Failure is an Option. Failure is an option. I, I, I get this from uh, the story from the famous uh, flight director for Apollo 13. His name was Gene Kranz. After Apollo 13 took off and they realized they had some complications, they were not going to get to land on the moon, they had to circle the moon, then make it all the way back home safely. You probably saw the movie. And uh, they did make it home safely. And afterwards, Gene was interviewed and they said, you know, ask him the question, well, did anybody panic? You know, did some panic? Did everybody panic? And he said in that interview, he said, no, when bad things happen, we just calmly laid out all the options and failure was not one of them. And that famous statement there was taken by the crew and then the phrase failure is not an option was born. And what they mean is, you know, when they were looking at all the possibilities, they just didn't put failure on the list. But when it comes to people like me and people like you, because of sin and sin nature and the fallen world, we have to always remember that failure is an option. In fact, it's one of the themes that we see toward the end of Jesus' life. While Jesus never fails, everyone around him does. We saw it just a couple of weeks ago with Judas. We see it today with Peter in this conversation that Jesus is going to have with him. If you have a Bible, go to Luke 22, and you'll see it there. In Luke 22, starting in verse 31, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. And then Jesus says, but I have prayed, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you turn again, strengthen your brothers. Now, Peter goes on and he says to him, Lord, I, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. In this conversation that Jesus has with Peter, he is very, very honest about the fact that Peter, for Peter, and I think for all of us, that failure is an option, if not a guarantee. Every one of us are going to fail in some way. We like to think that we, we don't, or uh, we, we like to, you know, we rather focus on other people's failures instead of ours. But the truth is, is that failure is an option. But how, how we view our failures actually matters. What we do with our failures matters. What we learn from our failures matters. Some people seem to never be able to deal with their own failures in a healthy way. Some people seem to want to justify whenever they fail just justify themselves and talk about why they did this or didn't do that. But the beautiful thing about God is that God provides a solution for our failures. Every failure that you've had, every one. If God is going to deal with our sin problem and give us a salvation solution, then there has to be this mechanism in place for him to deal with our failures in life. There has to be something there 
to take care of that. And I think this is where Peter's story becomes very important. Very important. What Peter's story teaches us is that even when there is a failure in our life, even a guaranteed failure, that Jesus is praying some redemptive prayers for us. You see, Jesus was not just praying for the disciples in the garden. He was not just praying for Peter in the garden. He was doing those things. Scripture tells us that right now Jesus is praying for me and you. Right now. Romans 8, 31 through 34. If you read Romans 8, 31 through 34, it's talking about who can condemn us. It's God who has justified us. It's Jesus who was crucified and then raised from the dead. And then in verse 34, it says that Jesus right now is interceding for us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for me and interceding for you right now. Have you ever wondered what, he was, what he's praying for? I have. I've often wondered, what is it that Jesus is praying for me right now? What is it that Jesus is praying for my family right now? What is it that Jesus is praying for this church right now? What is Jesus praying for you for right now? What is it that Jesus is whispering into the ear of the Father on your behalf right now? It's a good question. And again, I think this is where Peter's story becomes very important. Because Peter's story reveals to us how Jesus prayed for Peter, and I think it gives us a clue of how Jesus is praying for us. Again, Jesus looks at Peter and says, I need to be honest with you, Peter. Satan wants you. He wants you. He wants to devour you, actually. He wants you. I think if Jesus was standing here today, he could look at you and he could look at me and he could say the exact same thing. Jesus' words to us would either be similar or the exact same. Satan wants you. He wants to devour you. And what we see in our passage today is that there is a very real enemy and the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. You have a target on your back. Sorry to break the news. Your children have a target on their back. Your grandchildren have a target on their back. Satan and everyone else who submits to him wants you. This is a reality we don't like to talk about. We like to keep you know, Christianity kind of clean and sterile. But what we see here, and I believe that what was going on here in Jesus' day with Peter is going on today. I mean, I really don't think it'd take me too much to make a case that there's evil in the world, right? I mean, I don't have to spend much time on that. The problem is we don't want to understand the personal nature of it, that you have a target on your back, and Satan wants you. He wants you. This Peter, who Jesus is talking to on this day, is the same Peter who would write the words of 1 Peter 5.8. In 1 Peter 5.8, Peter writes to a church that's going through a lot, a lot. And he says, your enemy, church, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You see, when Peter writes those words, that the devil, our enemy, is prowling around like a roaring lion. He writes those words because he has experience with that lion. He knows what the roar sounds like. He knows what it's like for Satan to come after him. 
He knows it. But when Peter writes those words, he says, yes, your enemy, the devil, he's going around, he's prowling like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The next two words are very important. They are resist him. Resist him. While failure is an option, it is, it is an option to succumb to what Satan is trying to do in your life right now. Absolutely. Also, what Peter reveals is that he's also resistible. You can resist him. Yes, failure is an option, but you can resist. The question is, what do you do or what happens when you don't? What happens when you give in? What happens when you fail? The first thing that Jesus is praying for Peter for in our text today is Jesus is praying for Peter that his faith will not fail even though Peter will fail. He's praying that his faith, Peter's faith will not fail even though Peter will fail. That's what he said. He says, Peter, but I've prayed for you, verse 32, that your faith may not fail. Peter's gonna fail, but Jesus does not want Peter's faith to fail. Jesus knows Peter's going to fall. Jesus knows that Peter's gonna mess up. Jesus knows that Peter's going to fail. He's going to deny, deny, deny three times. He's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. But he says, your faith does not have to fail even though you will. See, this is the uniqueness of Christianity. Christianity is not built on a moral code. Our faith is not found in a pursuit of personal perfection as we define perfection today. Our faith is not found in spiritual experiences where we go from one to the next. Our faith is found in a person, and that person is Jesus himself. When we say the word faith, and we want faith in something. It's faith in him. And what Jesus is saying to Peter is, Peter, we've been here before. We've done this before. Peter, do you remember? You remember. You got out of the boat. And then you started walking on the water. You remember this story? Yes? As long as Peter's eyes are on who? Jesus. He walks. As soon as his eyes get on the wind and the waves, what happened? He sings. Jesus says, I don't want your faith to fail. You're going to fail, but I don't want your faith to fail. And for your faith to not fail, you have to keep your eyes on me. I believe that's what Jesus would say to us today. Same thing. You got to keep your eyes on me. See, we lose faith in our own abilities quickly. We lose faith in our own strength rapidly. We lose faith in our own control every day. But our faith is not built on us. Our faith is built on him. And the key is to keep our eyes on him. Are you with me? Anybody with me? Yeah? You got to keep your eyes on him. And Jesus says to Peter, I don't want your faith to fail. I need you to keep looking at me. Second thing. Jesus prays that Peter's faith will not fail, even though Peter will fail. Secondly, Jesus prays that Peter would turn back to him. He says, Peter, you're going to turn back. That's what I've been praying for. He says, but I have prayed that your faith may not fail. And then he says, and when you have turned again, I want you to do something. But notice the phrase, and when you have turned again, in order for us to get back into that place, 
our faith is in him, our eyes are on him, we're standing on solid ground. We have to engage in that beautiful gift called repentance. It's metanoia in the Greek. It means to turn, to turn back. And that's what Jesus says here. When you have turned again, you see it. And again, this beautiful gift of repentance is what Jesus is saying to Peter. This is what it's going to take. You're going to fail, but you're going to get to repent and come back. You're going to get to turn back. I want you to return. Right now, some of you are living with a failure in your life. And I don't know what it is. Some of you, it may be mild. Some of you, it may be massive. But what I know about you and me is that we have blood running through our veins and air going through our lungs, and so failure is an option. And a lot of times whenever we fail, we just try to you know, hide it or carry it or whatever it may feel like. But you don't have to. You can turn back. And part of the turning back is the admission of what I'm turning away from. See, I know what failure is like. And you do too. But I know what failure is like, just like you do. I know the weight and the gravity that it places where it smothers our soul to the point that you feel like your soul is going to be crushed. I know the disappointment that comes like a cloud and just hovers over you and you don't think it's ever going to go away. And Peter's experiencing all of that in this moment. He is going to deny, 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 and all of those feelings are going to rush upon him. And Jesus is giving him warning. He says, you're going to be able to turn back, though. You're not going to have to live there anymore. It's going to feel like you're in a wilderness and separated from God, but, but, but you don't have to live in the wilderness anymore. You can come back. You'll be able to come back. You're going to feel guilt, Peter, but it's okay. You're going to be able to come back. You're going to feel shame, Peter, but it's okay. You're going to be able to come back. And in these words from Jesus to Peter in this moment, we see the restorative power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the restorative power of Christ in our lives, the restorative power of the Father in our lives. So many times we think we can't come back. Again, you may be living with a failure right now and you may feel like there's no way. You know, I've, Satan whispers in our ear, you've done too much. But God says you can come back. Satan whispers in our ear and says, you know, no one's going to ever believe you again. But, but Jesus says you can come back. Satan whispers in our ear and says, you're no good, you're worthless. But Jesus says you can come back. You can come back. I think what Jesus was saying to Peter on that day, he's saying to us today, you can come back. And then notice what, what Jesus does. He tells Peter, he says, I'm praying that your faith will not fail, even though you will. And I'm praying that when that happens, that you, you're going to turn back to me. And then he says, when you turn back again, I want you to strengthen the brothers. I want you to strengthen the church, the brothers and sisters around you. Isn't it just like God to take the weaknesses of the world and use them to create firm foundations in other people's lives? That's what God does. Whenever Jesus says to Peter, I want you to strengthen the brothers, the word strengthen there means to fix firmly in place or to establish. To fix firmly in place or to establish. That's what the word means. Do you know what Peter does in 1 Peter 5, 8? 
He writes the words, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, next five words, standing firm in the faith. You see the connection? Jesus tells Peter, I want you, and I want your faith to fail. That's what I'm praying for, even though you will. Jesus says to Peter, I want you to turn back again. When you turn back, I want you to strengthen. I want you to fix firmly in place and to establish other people's faith in them. The faith that they have in me. And Peter fulfills Jesus' words when he pens 1 Peter 5 8. He says, Yeah, he's going around and he's roaring, making a lot of noise. But you can resist him. And in resisting him, you are standing firm in the faith. You're being established in the faith. And Peter is saying to the people he's writing to, Guys, I know what this is like. I know what it's like. But since that moment, I know what it's like to resist him as well. Here's here's what I want to do. Uh, The band's going to come back up. And I want to pray for you, especially if you, you feel like you've failed, just the feelings there. And now you feel far from God. You feel like you failed. And now you feel far from God. And I'm I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to... No, none of that. But if you feel like you failed and you feel far from God, I'm here to tell you, you can come back. You can come back. You don't have to live in the wilderness anymore, you can come back. You don't have to live with guilt anymore, you can come back. You don't have to live with shame anymore, you can come back. You don't have to live with the hurt anymore, you can come back. You don't have to live with the pain anymore, you can come back. You can come back. See, what separates Christianity from a lot of other religions, another thing, is that we get to say that out loud knowing that Jesus is the one that's washed all the sin away. And so when we come in this moment, we're getting in agreement with what Jesus is praying for us about. So if you feel like you failed, we're going to take the lights down. I want to ask you to bow your head. Please bow your head. If you feel like you failed, you feel far from God, my message is very simple as you can come back. You can come back. And and then God's going to take this comeback and he's going to use it to encourage other people, but we'll get to that later. I just want you to know you can come back. And, And no one's looking at you. The camera's on me. No one's looking at you. But if you feel like you failed and feel far from God, would you just slip your hand in the air and you can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you, you, you see the hands. But more importantly, you see the hearts. 
Lord John was in the spirit one day on the Isle of Patmos just before he penned the book of Revelation. And Jesus, you appeared to him and your eyes were ablaze with fire because you see through all the things we try to put in front of us to hide. I thank you for each hand that has gone up. I thank you for the honesty of this moment where we say, yeah, we, like Peter, we failed. And Lord, I thank you that there's an invitation issued to every person who dared raise a hand. That is that they can come back. So Lord, we thank you for welcoming us, welcoming us with open arms. We thank you for a father's embrace. We thank you for a savior's love. We thank you for Holy Spirit assurance that even though we failed, our faith has not. So Lord, we fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus each day as we have to get out of the boat. Lord, may we walk on the water because we're not concerned about the winds and the waves anymore. We just see Jesus. Lord, for every hand that has gone up, I say thank you. You see this offering of repentance. Lord, would you forgive and wash away all the guilt and the shame that we may be whole in you. Lord, I thank you there's no sin too great separate us from you but in you we find the freedom we need and desperately want thank you Lord Jesus for this deep work we rejoice in you in the name of Jesus Christ you are forgiven welcome back Welcome home.